Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Uh, I want to jump right into our message today. We are beginning a new series. um, And this series is really something that's been percolating, I don't want to say under the surface. I think it's been pretty overt in what God is wanting to do in the church and the body of Christ. Jason and I were actually talking, and I think it was back in November maybe, and we were just talking through uh, what God is doing in the church and in preparation for upcoming sermon series. And, and this theme that we're going to talk about today and really over the next four weeks is something that I believe God really is trying to stir in the body of Christ because of the difficulty that we live in in the world that we live in today. Um, and what I mean by that, and I'll unpack that a little bit more here in a few minutes, but, but we live in a world that has a lot of challenges to it. We live in a world that's pretty dark and heavy a lot of times, and there's supposed to be something different about the body of Christ than what we see around us in our world. And yet all too often, we look and feel very similar to what's going on in the world that's around us. And I just believe that God wants to bring an impartation to our lives that's going to help us in this new series. And so my prayer for you in this series is that something would be ignited inside of your heart through the truth of God's Word, I mean, His incredible love for you and your life and your family and the things that He has for you, and that through this series, you're going to find this space of what it means to choose joy in your life. And the Scripture really has some some really unique themes for us to to understand about that. And so we're going to take a few weeks to just get into Scripture and let it begin to take us on this journey of choosing joy. But I believe God will have some keys for you over this season of time. And I really want to invite you to participate in that. In fact, this week, you're going to see coming out through social media and through some email, uh, there is going to be a really uh, kind of uh, an amazing, it's, it's not a blog, it's more like a story that has been written by one of our dream teamers here that's going to help you have a greater understanding of some of these things that God wants to do in your life through joy. So I want to encourage you, check your email, look on social media this week. Uh, you'll find a really great re, uh, uh, resource for that. And that, that's coming not from me. That's not even coming from anybody on our pastoral team. That's coming from one of the volunteers, a dream teamer here at River Valley, who has a gift to communicate through writing that I think will bless you. So I want to challenge you this week. Keep your eyes open for that. Uh, it'll be a, an awesome tool for you as we begin to explore this space of choosing joy. Uh, I have a lot of conversations with people around this space in life. A lot of conversations with um, people just about their journey and about the pain of their journey. As a pastor, you get to see a lot of, let me rephrase that, as a pastor, you get to see a few of the highs and a lot of the lows. Just kind of part of the gig. But the more I sit and have conversations with people, the more I realize how little of the church is really living from the true joy that Jesus promised us. So today I want to remind us, I'm going to take us into a space that's going to remind us a little bit here about what Jesus purchased for us. And then for a few moments this morning, unpacking our lives, how we get to obtain that, how we get to put our hands around that. Uh, I believe the Bible gives us so many beautiful promises that many of us have yet to experience in our life because we have yet to receive those gifts into our life, the things that God wants to give us. And and part of being together as the body of Christ is learning how to do that, 
is learning how to go into Scripture and let it be opened up to us and, and have an aha moment. Anybody like aha moments in life? Yeah, I like those. They're important to us. They're significant to us. In fact, I bet you I could ask you about a few of the aha moments in your life and you'd be able to take me back to the exact location and time where those aha moments took place. And the reason for that is is because those are moments that shift our belief system in life. Shift even the way that we think and the way that we process. And, And I believe this to be one of those shifts that needs to take place and that God is having take place in the body of Christ. And so we're going to jump right into that today. I want you to open up your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 61. It's going to be the foundational text for what we're building out of here. Um, and this, this space right here is a bold proclamation. It's really a prophecy that came about hundreds of years before Jesus ever existed, before he was ever on this planet. It's a prophecy that really makes the declaration about who he is, and really the mission that he was on. And then I want to remind you that, that he put us on the same mission. So it wasn't like this was solely Jesus' thing. It was like Jesus was saying, hey, here's how you do this. Come and follow me. Let's change the world. And so this proclamation that we see in Isaiah chapter 61 is actually a prophecy about Jesus and his impact, and really also what it is, for those of you that have been around River Valley for very long at all, it's the big four in another space in Scripture. I've told you this over and over and over again. We believe that God has four primary things that he's doing in each one of our lives. And through Isaiah 61 is another place in Scripture where it kind of reveals that to us. So we're going to open up with that today, and then we're going to navigate into a Scripture that I believe is going to kind of set our hearts on a course for exploring this space of what it means to choose joy. So I want you to uh, open up. We're going to start in verse 1 right here. Isaiah 61 verse 1 says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Now this was really a prophecy about Jesus, and Jesus actually a number of years later, while he was in ministry, was, was at a church service. He was in a synagogue, but he was at a church service, and he grabbed this book of Isaiah and began to read these exact words. And as he read the words and finished up, he looked at everybody in the room and said, hey, in your hearing today, this has been fulfilled. I am he. Jesus made this really bold declaration of a prophecy of the Messiah that any Jewish person would have known at that time, as he read it, he made this bold proclamation, this is me, I have come to proclaim good news, great tidings to the poor, those in need. He wasn't talking to about just simply those who were physically in need from a financial standpoint. He was actually talking about the brokenness and the corruptedness of the human heart. And he said, hey, listen, I am here to proclaim good news in that space, this really leads us into the the first point of our big four, which is Jesus came to bring people into relationship with the Father. He came to make a way for people to walk in relationship with God who desired relationship with them. And Jesus said, hey, right here in me is the fulfillment of that. Jesus came, and and this this is why it's good news. It's good news because you now no longer have to come up with a solution for your sin. Man, there should have been a whole lot more amens in this place. I don't know about you, but 
But when I look at my life and I look at the decisions I've made and the things that I've said and the things that I've done and the things that I'm not proud of, and if I try to calculate in my brain how I can, I can make those things right, that sends me into a place of absolute despair in my life. Why? Because it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. The pain that I've caused to other people in their life, you know, intentionally or unintentionally, doesn't matter. The sins that I've committed in my life that have created separation with me and God, if it were left up to me to close that gap, it's impossible. But the good news of Jesus is what gives us hope in this journey of life. That He came and He died and He paid that price for your sin and for mine so that we could live with some hope in our life. Amen? That's why it's good news. It's good news to all those who, who don't know Him because He's created an opportunity for people to know Him. It's good news for your neighbor, for your co-worker. It's good news for, for the person that you see in the grocery store. It's good news for the person who's down and out. And it's good news for the person who think they've, thinks they've got everything. Because ultimately, at some point in time in our life, we all have to face this reality. That there's nothing that I can do about the sin of my life without Jesus' intervention. But with Jesus' intervention, man, there, there, there's nothing that I can't do, right? And so when we talk about the big four, the, the number one part of our big four that we see coming right out, right out of Isaiah chapter 61 is that Jesus came to preach the good news. He wants to help people know the Father. And we get to be a part of that journey in the process. Here's, here's where it goes in verse 2. I love this space. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captive, and to open up the prisons of those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. See, once the good news is proclaimed, that is not the end of what Jesus has done for us. Can anybody say amen? There's so much more that he purchased for us in this process, and this is what he's saying right here. He came up to bind the brokenhearted and to set the captives free those broken spaces of our life, the things from our past that hold us back. We sang about the change this morning that, that many of us have felt in our life that it just feels like our past is constantly trying to drag us back into it. And Jesus came to set us free from that. That's why here at River Valley we talk about the space of living free, to know God and to live free in our lives. Your Christian journey isn't completed on, on the moment when you say, hey, Jesus, will you come and be Lord and Savior of my life? Will you forgive me of my sin? That is the beginning point of what he's drawing us into. He's got a whole life of freedom for you to experience, and many of us wrestle through this place because we try to do it on our own. We try to do it in the secretness of our, of our bedroom or our car or, or wherever, and we'll, we'll come to gatherings like these, and we might worship God, but... but but we're not going to tell anybody about what's going on in our life, no way. Because these are all Christian people. They're like, they're like good, and I'm not. Right? It's these, these crazy things that we begin to believe in our mind about being in relationship and, and what we know Scripture teaches us out of James tells us very clearly, if you don't confess your sin one to another, you're never going to be healed. Like that is the journey. The, the process that God has for us in our lives, that is, we walk together in relationship. And as we figure out, you know what, you're as messed up as I am. Awesome, we can do life together. But we don't stay in our messed up state. We get to live in this reality that Jesus came to bind up our broken heart. 
and to set the captives free. I don't know about you, but I don't have to live in the old stuff that used to hold me back in my life. I can choose to, which seems ridiculous, but we do it all the time, don't we? God's inviting us into this place of learning how to leave, live free. And this is exactly what Jesus was speaking here when he was, there was this declaration about who he was and what his work was going to be. And then he invites us to get to know him in, in some really powerful ways. God wants you to learn how to get healed in your life. To be free from anxiety and depression. Did you know we are the most anxious and depression-filled culture on the planet? In a country where we have so much to be thankful for, so much that we have, the luxuries that we have in life, just the day-to-day -day living that we get to experience, and yet we're the most depressed, anxious-filled, and fear-filled culture known to man. How can that be? All too often, we're looking for things and circumstances to define where joy should come from in our lives. And those things just end up leaving us more sad, depressed, hurt, because they can never fulfill us. We're going to see that here in just a second, how Jesus opens that revelation to us. There's hurts and things of our life that God wants to set us free that we're, many of us are still living in. And Jesus is just saying, hey, I love that, that you have invited me in to be your Lord and Savior. Can, can you let me help you heal you in your heart, maybe in your mind, in your emotions? Will you let me come close to you? Will you let some other people come around you in your life and go on this journey? Why? Because we were created for relationship with God and each other. And all too often we close that off in our lives. Here's, here's what I love. Look at, look at verse 3 here. It says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. There's a work that God wants to do in our lives that would be a representation of who he is to the world that we live in. And what Scripture's saying here is, as God takes you on this journey of knowing Him and you learning how to live free and discovering your purpose and who He's created you to be in life, He wants your life to, to look like a tree that's planted by beautiful streams of water that's producing a, a harvest fruit in the right season that is, that is doing something that, that provides for those that it surrounds. There's something that people should be able to look at our lives and go, man, there is something different about your life than mine. I feel like grass blowing around all the time, but man, you stand firm. What is the difference in you? The Bible says you're to become an oak of righteousness. The firm planting of the Lord. There's something beautiful about the work of God in our lives. It's not, it's not a perfected work. It is a process that we are in. But as we're in that journey and process, there's something that other people get to look at about our lives and go, man, there, there's something about you that I need. There's stability about your life that I don't have. This is why we, we really challenge us in, in our growth process in life. It is not a Sunday morning experience that will keep you rooted and growing in your life. So, sorry to ruin it for you. The only thing that will produce this oak of righteousness is that your roots go deep into God, deep into His Word, 
deep into relationships that are around you, deep into his presence. And as you do that, that gives you the ability to actually grow. But all too many Christians are potted plants. Their roots never have a chance to go anywhere because they don't really lock into the body of Christ. They don't lock into what God's trying to do in their life. They don't give themselves the ability for their roots to grow. They just, they're, they're picked up and moved around all over the place and they wonder why. We wonder why we never find real health and maturity in our life. Well, because God's plan and intent for you has always been that you'd be a tree that's planted. That your roots would go deep. That you'd have strong relationships around you. That His presence would flow in and around your life and provide the the nourishment you need and that from that place, listen, that your life would bear fruit. Fruit to be a blessing to others. Fruit to make a difference in the lives of the people that you're around. This is what God has called us to. This was the work that Jesus, the Word of God tells us that Jesus came to do, to preach good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captive free, to proclaim the favorable year of God, the the things that he wants to do and is doing in your life. And what that produces in your life is that he's going to make you strong and stable, capable of producing a fruit that that bears into other people's lives. Isaiah 61.4 goes on to say, And they shall rebuild the old ruins. Come on, listen to this. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities. The desolation of many generations. Here's the beautiful work of God in your life. As God restores you and heals you and does the work that he's doing in you, then he commissions you to go and do the same. To go and rebuild. What does that mean? It means to go into the areas of society and the world that we live in and to bring solutions into those spaces that are only God ideas. To come with the healing and the restoration that he's done in your life and hopefully the smile that he's put on your face and to bring that into environments where that, that doesn't exist. To come alongside of those whose lives are shattered and broken and destroyed and to be those who rebuild that because God has done that in your life. Right? It's this, it's this thing of, of the, the, the fourth part of the big four force to go and make a difference with your life. That your life would make a difference on the people that you're around. You see the plan and purpose of God for our lives? It's not complicated. We, we really like to make it complicated what God has called us to do. But it's really actually very simple. He just wants us to know Him. And through that experience, He wants us to learn how to live free in our lives from our past. As we discover who He's made us to be, then he wants us to go make a difference with our life and the lives of other people. Do we see that? Isaiah is just speaking here of the mission of Jesus, and Jesus' mission was what he's doing in your life and in mine. And the beautiful thing is he's invited us to be a part of that journey with him. I want to lean in here for just a second, because I believe there's this space that we're talking about, about choosing joy. And I think one of the greatest hindrances for most of us in this journey is that we get really caught up in the pain of every day. We get ourselves in conversations in our mind that that really distract us from the beauty of what God has done, is doing, and wants to do in and through our lives. And until we can unattach from that space, then then, then the, the space that we have in our minds and in our hearts rarely has the ability to grow and flourish in the beauty of what God has done. Typically, we're just bogged down with everything that's going on right now. 
and the pace at which we live in our culture, and we got a whole other series coming up that we're going to talk about that on. But the pace that we live at in our culture right now puts this thought of choosing joy at a kind of a difficult spot for us. So Isaiah 61.3 is where we're going to kind of park for just a second this morning. Here's what it says. The oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise. These are the things that through the process of what Jesus is doing in our lives should be on display in us. Yet all too often we, we've missed out on this space of joy because we're still stuck in mourning. We miss out on, on some of the beauty of what God wants to do in our lives because we're still thinking about the pain of what we didn't get to do or missed out on the other day or that relationship that's fractured or broken. Or, or, and so, so we're missing some of the joy that God wants us to have in our lives. And so I want to take just a moment here and we're going to show you a video of what what the word joy actually means in Scripture. And I'm going to come back and we're going to close our time together. But I want you to watch this video. It's great. Being in a good mood is really great. And most languages have lots of words to describe the experience, like happy, cheerful, joyful, and so on. The same goes for the languages of the Bible. In ancient biblical Hebrew, there's a variety of words, like simcha, sason, or gil. In the Greek New Testament, there's kara, euphrasune, or agaliasis. Each word has its own unique nuance, but they all basically refer to the feeling of joy and happiness. Now, what makes these biblical joy words interesting is noticing the kinds of things that bring happiness, and also seeing how joy is a key theme that runs through the whole story of the Bible. Let's start with sources of joy. On page one of the Bible, God says that this world is very good. And so naturally, people find joy in beautiful and good things of life, like growing flocks or an abundant harvest on the hills. The poet of Psalm 104 says a good bottle of wine is God's gift to bring joy to people's hearts. People find joy at a wedding or in their children. There's even a Hebrew proverb that compares the joy that perfume brings to your nose with the joy a good friend brings to your heart. However, human history isn't just a joy fest. The biblical story shows how we live in a world that's been corrupted by our own selfishness. It's marked by death and loss. And this is where biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. It's an attitude God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. So when the Israelites were suffering from slavery in Egypt, God raised up Moses to lead them into freedom. And the first thing the Israelites did was sing for joy. Even though they were in the middle of a desert, they were vulnerable, the promised land was still far away, they rejoiced anyway. Later biblical poets looked back on this story and they remembered how the Lord caused his people to leave with joy, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. This joy in the wilderness, this was a defining moment, a way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny. This theme appears later in Israel's story, when Israel suffered under the oppression of foreign empires. The prophet Isaiah looked for a day when God would raise up a new deliverer like Moses. That's when those redeemed by the Lord will return to Zion with glad shouts, with eternal joy crowning their heads. Happiness and joy will overtake them. 
And while the Israelites waited, they chose joy to anticipate their future redemption. This is why it's significant that when Jesus of Nazareth was born, it was announced as good news that brings great joy. We're told that Jesus himself rejoiced and gave thanks to God his Father when he began to announce the kingdom of God. He even taught his followers the same joy in the wilderness, saying, when people reject you or persecute you for following me, rejoice, be very glad, because your reward is great in heaven. After his death and resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers to go out and announce the good news that he was the risen king of the world. And as they did so, the early Christian communities were known for being full of joy, even when they were persecuted. Like when the apostle Paul was sitting in a dirty Roman prison, he could say that he's chosen joy even if he gets executed. He called this the joy of faith or joy in the Lord. He believed it was the gift of God's spirit, a sign that Jesus' presence is with you, inspiring hope in the midst of hardship. And when you believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy becomes reasonable in the darkest of circumstances. Now this doesn't mean that you ignore or suppress your sorrow. That's not healthy or necessary. Paul often expressed his grief about missing loved ones or losing friends or his own freedom. He called it being full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. As he acknowledged his pain, he also made a choice to trust Jesus that his loss wouldn't be the final word. This is very different from the trite advice to turn that frown upside down. Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. And that's what biblical joy is all about. Isn't that an awesome, awesome just kind of picture of joy? And I, and I think it's, it's something that as we, as we think about our lives, and we think about this journey that we're on, this is not like a rah-rah, pick yourself up by the bootstraps, get going kind of thing. That's not what joy, biblical joy, is all about. Biblical joy is placed in this reality of all that God has done. There's a hope that He's put in this. Right? It's not this moment of just sitting there telling you to ignore the difficulty of your life. That's not what, that's not what biblical joy is all about. Biblical joy is just don't get stuck on the circumstances of your life. Lift your eyes up and just see a little bit further down the road, right? It's that place in our hearts where we go, yeah, this, this sucks. I don't enjoy this season that I'm in. But it is just that. It's a season. It's a moment. And even if it goes for the rest of my earthly life, I know what eternity is all about, right? It's living with this reality of heaven and eternity and the joy that God wants to bring in our lives right here and now, the freedom that He's bringing to us right now in this journey, it's getting our eyes off of the circumstances and just looking a little further down the road. And so as we talk about joy, I'm not, I'm not trying to convince you to just feel better, and neither is the Bible. What joy is all about is, is how we think, how we process what we do in these moments of mourning, right? I, I love how it talks to us about here, right here, that, that when, when, when we're giving this oil of gladness, it's in replacement. It, it's coming to cover over these moments of mourning. In other words, you're going to mourn in life. Here's the promise of Jesus, your Savior, to you. In this life, you're going to have trouble. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Right? But that was not the end game. That was not the end of his statement to us. He said, listen, I've come that you might have life and have it full tilt. Like, just enjoy this thing. Enjoy this journey. 
Well, how can I do that when life stinks? When you have a different perspective of other than looking just right at your circumstances and you can look down the road of your life, you can live in real joy. But when you're consumed in the present moment without any hope for your future, I promise you, you will experience lots of anxiety, fear, and depression. This is why the United States of America is the most depressed country on the planet. The most medicated country on the planet. Why? Because we have experienced the goodness of God like no other nation has ever experienced it. And yet we are still saying with our life, God, we don't need you. We got this on our own. Ouch. Because we are so consumed in all that we can gain in life in the culture, because we're so, we're so wealthy in the culture, that we, all that we can gain in life, and all, what we're understanding is all the things that we can gain never really satisfy. We're missing out on joy because we're looking at, at those things. And biblical joy, the joy that God wants for us, replaces, comes in and, and overshadows the difficulties of this journey of life and reminds us that there's still something better to come. And not only that there's something better to come, but there's something better that lives in us in the present. His Spirit that is at work in our lives. You know, some interesting illustrations as we look at what was being spoken about Jesus and really what He was bringing to our life. If you look at Isaiah 61.3, this, this space right here where, where it talks about the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning. I'm just going to tell you a story from my life. How many of you have ever experienced, again, don't need to raise your hand, have ever experienced heaviness in your life? You've ever experienced that moment in life where maybe you can't even put your finger on it, but you just, you just I'm not getting out of bed today. I can't get out of this car and go into work. I'm just not going to do it. And you don't even exactly know why. Like, you can't really put your finger on it. I mean, come on. Not, rarely are we excited to go to work, right? But that's really not it. There's something different about this moment. Or, or man, I don't, I don't want to get out of bed today, but I don't know why. Like, I, I don't really have a good reason other than I just don't want to. Oftentimes, we just associate that in life and just having a bad day. Can I just tell you, Scripture gave us a really clear picture of what is actually going on there. See, there's this reality that, and my boys and I were talking about this Friday night as we were coming to, to prayer, we were talking about this reality of the seen and unseen world. We don't talk about it much here in the American culture because we're way too educated to talk about something that is unseen and supernatural and spiritual, right? But see, Scripture is based on it. That there is this reality, that there is the physical world that we see, but there's also something different that we don't. And we really don't have a great understanding of it, but it influences our physical world as well. Scripture talks about that as the seen and the unseen world, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness, these things that, that we walk through in our life. And, and there's principalities and powers, the Bible calls them spiritual authorities that have dominion in these realms because of sin in the world today. Now, we don't fear those because Jesus already overcame them, but we are influenced by them in the fallen world that we live in today. And this is exactly what it's talking about here, this spirit of heaviness, this, uh, some of you probably experienced it driving to church this morning. 
you felt it in your life, whether it's been different seasons that you've been in or, or, or moments in, in time with your family and relationships or your marriage, but we felt this, ugh, let me explain that to you. It's a spirit of heaviness. It's a vac- actual very real influence spirit in your life. We feel it in our culture and we feel it in the world today. People start talking politics. You want to talk about the spirit of heaviness? Just like that, Right? We talk about all these things that are going on in our culture, whether it be racism or sexism or all the things that that we see infiltrating our culture and causing divisions and splits and hatred towards each other. And when we begin to talk about those things and think about those things, I don't know about you, but I don't feel like better. I feel heavy. There's just this weight that comes in that moment. Why? Because those things are designed and influenced by spirits that actually have have some influence in our life if we give them platforms. And so as we think about these things, we oftentimes just want to associate them with social problems that need a social fix. And there are certainly things that we need to work on in our culture and in our relationship with each other. But understand there's something else behind that more than just a social issue. There's a spiritual thing that's taking place as well. And we've got to be aware of that as the people of God. When it talks about the spirit of heaviness, it's this reality that in our world and in our culture, there are things that are influencing your life and mind, your workplace and mind, the environments that we're in. And, and Scripture's teaching us here, you've got to be aware of this. There's a spirit of heaviness. And it can infiltrate your life in so many ways. Just flip on the TV. Ta-da, there it is. Come on, it's just the reality of what we deal with in our culture. And what Jesus was saying here is that I came so that you could experience a life apart from that spirit of heaviness. In other words, that spirit of heaviness doesn't have to be the thing that defines your day-to-day life. And I watch all too many Christians living almost every moment of their life weighed down in mourning and heaviness. And Jesus said, I, I, I come to give you the oil of joy, a garment of of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let me unpack that for you for just a second. My girls and I got to go last night uh, to a daddy-daughter dance. One of the best moments of my life. Look at those beauties, huh? And to go to this event meant that I needed to prepare in a very specific way. And instead of wearing what I would normally like to wear from just a comfort standpoint, which would have been a pair of sweats and a comfy t-shirt and all all that, I chose very intentionally to change my garments, my clothes, that's what Scripture's teaching here, to something very different. Why? Because it's a special occasion. I'm excited to go out with my girls. My girls are dressing up, so daddy's going to dress up, right? This is a date time. And so I was very intentional about the garments that I chose to wear. I chose a nice pair of pants. I even wore a belt. Come on now. Put on cool socks that my girls had given me, right? Wore a nice jacket with a button-up-the-front shirt. I was very intentional about the garments that I put on. Why? Because it was a special moment. As my little girls walked down the stairs in our house, and I got to see just how beautiful they were in their dresses, and they did their hair, and man, they they were ready to go with Dad to the dance. We had prepared for that moment. How? Partially by what we were wearing. Scripture gives us this picture here, this illustration 
that we're to put on garments of praise instead of taking on the spirit of heaviness. So in other words, let me help you with this. As you go through your life, when you feel that heaviness coming on your life, there is an answer to that. There's an antidote to that. Just like me and my girls were going to the dance, so we were prepared very well for that. There is an answer to the heaviness that you live with in life. And here's what the scripture says. Put on a garment of praise. We're going we're to talk about this here in three weeks. We're going to really unpack the space. But, but listen to me. There's a solution for the heaviness that you feel in your life. And it's not just thinking better. It's not just, you know, I just, you know, I, I just got I to gotta think better. Yes, you do. But one of the greatest tools to help you do that is the garment of praise. In other words, when you're feeling heavy, which is never the moment you want to sing and dance in, but when you're feeling that heaviness come upon your life, you choose joy in that moment. How do I choose joy, Tim? You put on the garment of praise. You stop for a moment and you just say, God, you are awesome. Just like the children of Israel, they're in bondage and persecution. They learned how to worship God in those moments. Why? Not because of their circumstances, but because of who he was. And as they began to bring praise to God, there was this expectation of the rescuer, the the Savior coming to take care of them, and there was hope and faith built in their heart. God has the same thing for you right now in this moment and season in life. If you want to experience the joy that God has for you, then you need to choose wisely what you're thinking about. You need to choose wisely about what's surrounding you in your life. You need to go into these moments and and experience when you know and you feel heaviness around you. You need to shut off a few of the things that that are putting that into your life. Maybe social media, maybe the TV, maybe that coworker that only wants to talk about how horrible our country is, right? Just shut that off for a second and go into a place of praise. Now, can I just tell you, this doesn't have to be weird. Like, some of you, I can already see your faces like, like, I'm going to be at work and just be like, That's not at all what we're talking about here. It's a reality of what's going on in your heart. It's taking a moment. Yeah, why not? Come on now. Why not at work be a different person? Why not go on a walk and just, as you're walking down the street, just be like this, right? Like, they might call the police on you. That's okay. You get to share Jesus with them. Why, Why not take moments throughout our day and stop and just, I need a praise break. I just need a moment here because work stinks right now. I'm not enjoying my boss. I'm not enjoying my... And just pause for a moment and say, God, you are amazing. Or we just stop from having our head down here and we actually lift our face up to him and say, God, you're beautiful. and God, you have blessed me so much. Thank you for my family. Lord, thank you for the relationships that I have. Thank you that I have a car. Lord, Like just pausing for moments throughout our days to do this. This is the key to you experiencing the oil of joy, the oil of gladness in your life instead of mourning. Here you go. The spirit of heaviness will lead you to mourning. The garments of praise will lead you to joy. It's as simple as that. And all too often we reject this gift that Jesus is giving us, the oil of joy, and we're just going to go hang out in mourning for a while. This doesn't have to do with coming to church. It doesn't have to do with being a spiritual person. 
It just simply has to do with this reality that as a child of God, you have access to the throne of God and you've got some really amazing tools for your journey in life. Will you use them? Will you embrace them? Will you, instead of putting on the um, sweatpants and baggy shirt of mourning, I know it's comfortable, I get it. Can you put on the garment of praise? You know, when we come and gather together here on the weekend, it's, it's oftentimes not hard for us to worship because there's 150 other people doing the same thing. But what does it look like tomorrow morning when you get in your car and you're driving down the road and you're feeling that, and we know that the Scripture tells us that we're to be a people filled with joy. Will you choose joy in that moment? See, these are the practical moments of our life. And can I just back up for a second? Some of you need to find the joy when you come here on Sunday morning too. (laughs) Some of you... Like when we gather together, you're like, I don't know why they're raising their hands, man. There's no, I, I don't know what they're all happy about. Some of us need to come in here in, in, in our Sunday gathering together and maybe, maybe put on a garment of praise. Maybe just say, you know what, Jesus, I'm, I'm with the church and I know I've got a lot of other things to think about for this upcoming week, but I'm with the body of Christ. Lord, I'm with people who you've radically saved their lives and you've done the same for me and God, we're just together today, so I'm just going to put on the garment of praise. I'm going to get a little crazy this morning, God, because you're worthy of it. Some of us get really disturbed by somebody kneeling or, or raising their hands or shouting or crying or singing, but can I just tell you that is their expression of a garment of praise to God because He's worthy of it in our lives. Some of us are stuck at some places in our journey because we're not experiencing the joy that God wants us to experience in that. I just want to tell you this morning, put on the garment of praise. It'll replace the spirit of heaviness, and you might actually turn that frown upside down. And enjoy these things. Yes, listen, again, we're not ignoring that there's difficult things in life. Can I just, I I know I, I need to say that a few more times. We're not ignoring the fact that there's pain in this journey. We're just not letting that pain define our journey. We're not letting it define how we're going to approach life from an attitude standpoint. We're going to choose joy in our lives. Why? Because the Bible empowers us and gives us the ability to do it. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of you takes you right into these spaces. I want to just close with this this morning. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. We're going to finish up here. Galatians 5.22 says this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Clue in here. The work that God is doing in you is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit's work in you. This is what He's producing in you. So we we talked about this work of Jesus, and here's what it says. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want to present this thought to you this morning. As a follower of Jesus, as one who has experienced His love in your life and forgiveness towards you, would you say that you are more joy-filled today in this moment of your growing, maturing walk with Jesus? More, more, More full of love, joy, patience, and peace in your life? 
Would you say that the fruits of the Spirit are being born in you? That the work of the Holy Spirit that, that he's, he's doing, that others would be able to see that in your life. Ironically, I spend more time around Christians who seem like that their joy is decreasing in their life as opposed to increasing. And all too often it makes me wonder, what, what are we allowing the Holy Spirit to do in us? What is He doing in our lives that is actually an example to those that we're around? Is there the fruit of joy in us? Is it growing? Is it becoming something that as people are around us in life, they go, wow, man, you just seem happier. You seem more content and more at peace. Because there is fruit that's coming from our lives, one way or the other. And what my Bible tells me here is that the work of the Holy Spirit in us is that He is producing greater levels of joy, peace, and patience in your life. And the longer we walk with Him, the greater those levels should be. So in other words, instead of being old, crotchety Christian people down the road of our life, we should be the most joy-filled, happy, excited people about what's ahead of us. We should be able to get to hang out with, with kids and put them to shame. Come on, adults. Why is it that we hang out with kids and they are having way more fun than we are? Because we haven't chosen to put on the garments of praise for our spirit of heaviness. We're letting heaviness dictate how we are living our life. We're not letting the Holy Spirit fill and saturate our life. All too many of us are still living in the chains of our past. Jesus is saying, come on now. Would you choose joy today? Would you choose joy in whatever season that you're in? in life? It is without a doubt a choice not our circumstances that dictate it. It's how we choose Him. The longer I'm with Jesus, the more joyful I should be. Now, unfortunately, that was a hopeful statement. This morning, I feel like God wants to do something in us and, and switch something on the inside of us when it comes to the space of joy. That we are no longer going to let life dictate our joy. We're going to choose joy because of all that God has done, is doing, and will continue to do in our lives. We're going to choose joy because He gave us the ability to do that. We're going to choose joy because we can stop for a moment and give 10,000 reasons why He's been good to us. As we think about this space of choosing joy, man, it's not a, not a matter of can you? It's just a question of will you? I'm asking myself this question just so you know. As I, I was preparing this week, I had a little conviction going on inside of here. Why? Because all too often I just let life circumstances dictate how I'm going to be. And I've got something better in my life that should dictate my attitudes, my choices, my emotions all of those things. And I hold the key to that. I get to choose joy for my life. You 
get to choose joy over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about how we continue to do that in some other spaces of our life. But today, I just feel like as we close our time together, that we're just going to make a kind of a declaration of our heart and with our mouths, Lord Jesus, we're, we're going to choose this joy thing. We're not pros at it yet, but we're going to learn how to be. We're going to learn how to, to not let the spirit of heaviness dominate our life. And we're going to learn how to put on the garments of praise. Listen to me, you get dressed every day that you leave your house, and for the most part, you guys do a pretty good job. We can do the exact same thing when it comes to choosing praise, choosing joy, choosing a life that, quite frankly, you would want to live. Come on. It's not somebody else's influence in your life that will make that happen. Jesus already did the work, now we just get to live stand with me this morning. As we close our time today, we, we like to do two things as we close our services. We're going we're to pray in this moment here in just a second and ask God to seal this work in our heart. But if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus to be a part of your life, you haven't even begun that first step of getting to know God, I just we never want to pass these moments up of giving you an opportunity to invite Jesus to come into your life you know that you've never been forgiven of your sin and you're, you're still carrying the weight of that, can I just tell you, that's a burden you don't want to leave today continuing to carry, especially for the fact that Jesus already paid the price for you. If you're here today and you, you know you, just, you want to take that step forward in Jesus, here in just a second, we're going we're to pray and we're going to invite Jesus to come and carry, take that burden off of your life, your sin, the responsibility that you have for it. He already died on the cross for it, so you don't need to do anything other than receive the finished work that he's already done. That's you here this morning. And we, listen, as a church, we don't, we don't do things in secret. We're not hiding. And we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're thankful for what he's done. If you're here this morning, you just know, hey, that's me. I just need to invite Jesus. And I'll, I'll, I want him to carry my sin and me no longer. If that's you here this morning, would you just raise your hand up? We're just going to celebrate with you and pray with you. Anybody here? Awesome. I just say that's that's a beautiful thing. Now here's here's the reality of that. Now some of us in here need to invite some of our friends who don't have that hope, so that they can come fight hope in Jesus. Do we agree on that together, church? This is wonderful gathering together. People need to know Christ, and so I want to invite you to do that next week. Bring someone. We'll connect them with God. Those of us that are here this morning, we've engaged in this relationship with God. There's there's a next step for us in this joy journey, and it's a choice. In the same way that we chose Jesus to come and be our Lord and Savior, we also make a choice in what we're going to do with this joy thing in our life. And I'm going to pray this morning, as we're just gathered here together with one heart and one mind, God, that you would come and he would do a work inside of us. Be a people that wouldn't just talk about joy, talk about its effect in our life, but we would be a people that choose it day in, day out. you bow your heads with me and we'll pray? Father, we thank you so much for this time, God. Lord, we thank you that your word is alive, Lord. Even as we read Isaiah today, God, words that were spoken a thousand years ago, Lord, it's still speaking to us today. 
in your goodness and your faithfulness, God, and what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, today as we, Lord, we just take a moment to self-examine our hearts, God. Lord, if we're living with the spirit of heaviness, Lord, today, Lord, today we just, Lord, we choose to take that off. And Lord, we put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lord, we receive the, the joy, the oil, God, that you pour over our lives, Lord, that saturates us, heals us, and mends us. And Lord, today, Lord, we just invite you, God, to come and teach us, Lord, in this journey of faith. How to be a people that choose joy every day of our lives. To be a people, God, who set our hearts, Lord, to not only understand your word, God, but to live your word out in our lives. Lord, let us not just be a people that come and hear it, but God, let us be a people that live. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. Lord, we thank you for your nearness, what you're doing in our lives, God, and we just invite you, Lord, to continue, God, to change us and transform us. Lord Jesus, to make us more like you in this journey. Uh, before we leave, I just uh, felt like there was just a prophetic word for us as a body, for us as a congregation, um, that this is a new season, that choosing joy is going to lead you into a new season of your life. And uh, Pastor Tim said this little thing, he said, take a praise break. And this week, you need to take a praise break. You, you actually might need to, to leave your cubicle on your 15-minute break or leave the floor or go out to your car or on your way to work. You might need to take a praise break. And so what I want to do is I want to move us into a new season as a body. And a lot of times we can hear a word like this and we can go, yes, I want that. I will I, I say, I, I want to be joy-filled in my life. And a lot of days I'm not because I allow the circumstances to come in. I allow my social media outlets to overwhelm me. I allow my self-conversations to overwhelm myself. Come on, any mental people who just work themselves up into a little state of something? Me, me, <laughs> that is me. And so uh, what I wanna do, just we're just gonna do two practical things. We're gonna take a praise break. Listen, if you are heavy this morning, if you are struggling this morning, we're gonna take a praise break. You being aware that you're gonna break the heaviness off with praise, we're just gonna do it. So we're, we're not gonna sing all the same song. We're gonna do it just like you would tomorrow. Okay, we're gonna practice for tomorrow. We're in church, it's okay, we're practicing for tomorrow. So Jason's just gonna play and I'm just gonna say, take a praise break. And you can think of a praise song that we sung this morning or your favorite praise song or a hymn or a chorus. And you can just say the words, you can speak the words, you can sing it. It doesn't matter if you're in the wrong key. You're just going to go for it. You can speak your praise. You can exalt his name. We're just going to take a praise break. We're going to break the heaviness off. So think of your thing. Think of the thing you're going to do or practicing. This is practice. This is what you do. Practicing that praise break. You might clap. You might lift your hands. You might kneel down. All right, ready? We're going to take a praise break. One, two, three, praise break. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Oh, worthy one, worthy one.
this is a new season, a new season of your life. There's a new season in your job. There's a new season in your marriage. You're moving on. No matter the darkness that you're in, you might go, how am I in a new season? I'm in the worst circumstances of my life. And let me tell you, God is moving you through that season. He's moving you. You can look at example after example after example after example in the Bible of men and women who walk through the seasons and the process of God, and there's always a desert. There's always a trial. There's always a period, and you might be in that period. And let me tell you, you're in the process of God. He's not scared of the process. He's not scared of the things that are coming out of your heart, that are coming out of your mouth, that are coming out of your mind. Look, he's bigger than those. He's bigger than those, and he is making you into something that only he can do. He's doing a work that only he can do. And when tomorrow, when you're discouraged, when you're going, what the heck is going on? When you blow up, when you lose it, when you look at your phone all day long, when you look at the porn, when you say the words, when you yell at your spouse, when you scream at your kid, when you do the thing you're not supposed to do, that's the moment that God is in with you saying, you can still choose joy in this moment. You can still choose me in this moment. You can still choose me in this moment. So remember, we practice. Take that into your week and praise break this week. Thank you for letting me bring this word at the end. Love you guys. Hey, have an incredible week. We will see you guys here next Sunday as we gather together. Uh, remember, bring somebody and uh, let's connect them with the presence of God and his love in their life. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.